Hello and welcome to the Backwards Infect. You can reach us at the Backwards Infect at Twitter, which will uh, point you in the direction to everything at this point. So um, those DMs are open. So come on in and say hello if you have any questions. How you doing, Luke? What's your contrast word for the evening? Well, good evening, everyone. So I was doing, as always, leading up to the show, pondering on how to start off the show and what word will put us in the correct mode. And this time even doing some history searching just to find out you know, how old the English vocabulary is and the origination of a lot of words because if you break down words and actually look at them you can tell that the inventor of the word obviously had some kind of awakened insight so the word i wanted to talk about tonight was nothing no thing and what that means in relation to spirituality it's not really a impactful word like love or something really strong, but it's probably, I mean, nothing, I I didn't have any other than the, the common definitions that you would have for love, nothing of, of any substance as far as uh, deeper meaning uh, what no thing or nothing meant. But after awakening, I realized And something I just tweeted out to try to put me in the mood for this podcast was be nothing to be something that is everything. So what I mean by that is that breaking down of the ego, that breaking down of of no thing or nothing in the body, realizing that consciousness is no thing. And you can even describe God or love or that universe as no thing. It's nothing you can really put your finger on, but you have to bring yourself to nothing in order to be something. And it's very paradoxical and something more of an experience than it is words, but the experience of being nothing to be something and then finding out that it is everything is, is, is really eye opening and full circle. But yeah, that's that's my that's my word in, in contrast. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the word nothing. That's one of those words that reminds me a lot of like my younger self. I I think that was one of my like very first like existential crisis like 
way back in young adulthood where I was trying to understand it really from the point of view of physics and like, how could something come from nothing? Like I literally drove myself crazy with the concept of nothing, nothing. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Become the no thing. And then understand yourself as part of the one thing. And on, on a spiritual level, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grasping nothing now. But I, I do think lots of people wrestle with that concept of nothing. And like one of the exercises I used to do, so this is back when I was young and meditative, um, certainly not disciplined, but just doing it every once in a while. It's really weird when I think about it now because it's like, kind of so much on the right track but it it was right under my nose and it didn't quite illuminate the situation for me but if you just close your eyes and you just imagine that you are everything that's in existence the only thing there the only thing in existence is you like just take the thought experiment just take the point of view that that's it you're in darkness you're conscious and you're alone and there's nothing. And I used to like doing that experiment because I was like, this is the point of view of God. And I mean, I remember like even trying to talk to people about it and uh, kind of rubbing people the wrong way because like, how are you, you know, putting yourself in the position of God which really was never my point. I was just doing a thought experiment. Um, but when I look back on it now, it was, it was actually so close. I was kind of pointing myself in the right direction with like a little bit of an outreach like that. Like that thought experiment is actually meaningful in the direction of spirituality that I was unaware of at the time. But when when you're there and you're in that state and it's and it's dark, you can see that like the first thing you'd want to do is like open up space. Like, can I create a box around me? Can I create a square? And then, you know, maybe a circle. And you could see like where sacred geometry forms just from like the exploration of that nothingness from this one reference point. So I was always um nothing was a existential trip for me from the beginning um but now like my big question about nothing is it seems like it's only a human concept like is any other like biological thing able to look at themselves without the biological programming so like a lion has no no chance to wake up to his own consciousness and not be a lion. It's like we're in a very unique position to be able to wake up to our own programming and take the position of the observer on the inside. I would agree that um, there's no other animal that can do that. 
and it's very apparent that they just work out the program of the ecosystem and play out their role. And then you have us here who have the ability to experience God um, and blasphemy is ringing in my ears right now because the contrast for me, it's actually a good, good word as well, is that the path of spirituality in the path of no thing to be become something is, you know, essentially losing your, your animalistic life, your ego brain to find something far greater. That's, that's infinite. So we've wrestled and thrown this idea around a lot that we're, God experience God-like beings. Like if humanity wasn't here, there would be nothing of consciousness for everything to evolve around us. So the concept of God being omnificent, to me, it's not a concept, but, but that idea is kind of hits you pretty hard because the, the whole idea behind humans is that we're able to have a God experience, but God is no thing, but we are something in this skin. We are an observer. We have the ability to be conscious and wake up from a sleep state your whole life and to become a a godlike being, just like all the great ones have taught. So if, if, I said this to the wrong person who is in a culture or in a belief system, they would say I'm guilty of blasphemy. And that word has always rang in my, my ears, just, just with, with anyone. Cause how on earth could you put yourself on that level? And me now I say, how can you not put yourself on that level? How can you not do that? And it's a beautiful thing, but that blasphemous word keeps people asleep as well. Because the meaning of things are so backwards that unless you, unless you have some type of spiritual clarity and are able to discern with the understanding, it's tough to get out of. One thing I wanted to hit on too, in preparation for this show was the word betrayal. And I listened to some early episodes just to prepare for, for what I might talk about tonight. The word betrayal, when we were talking about V for Vendetta, and she came in to the room from the cell, and you said, the very first thing when she stepped in the room was betrayal. You said you followed the notes extremely well as far as the process. In that first moment, realizing that some other person was putting her through this was betrayal. And it hit me when I was 
looking back on how I meditated and what the pain is and how to relate that pain, how to explain that pain, I was betraying myself. It hit me like a light bulb because in, in explaining you Cain, before the awakening, if you were to do something like I did 20 years ago, you would have been betraying the voice in your head that made sense. Yeah. It would have been an act of betrayal against yourself. It would have had to have been the, and it was the one thing inside that, you know, just like you said, the reason why you went back and watched V for, for Vendetta, because you had some type of in, intuition, something, something. Maybe it wasn't enough to act on it to where you wanted to go sit in the closet and push through quietly. The path was different for sure. I got such a connection from that because I was betraying myself. Like it was the intuition in me was so strong that I knew that there was a path there and I had to betray myself, which is revealing to me that there was more than one self, nothing to be something. I had built something. Therefore I was nothing. It had to become nothing and betray myself to be something. Yeah, and so mine is the exact same, but it's backwards. So mine was the realization I just betrayed myself. So I was looking back on the identity and understanding like, oh, the entire construct was just a betrayal. And how do I know that? Because I'm sensibly asking, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm ready to move on. But the whole system, all of the energy in my body was in perpetual motion to just keep feeding on itself. It's a, it's a complete betrayal of what you know on your inside your will is. That's why everybody goes so crazy in the world. Because on the inside, everybody's will or everybody's intentions, for the most part, are in the right place and they don't understand why all this turmoil is happening. But that betrayal, it's, it's inter It's like if you've ever had like a lucid dream experience or anything like there's, there's clues. There's like things that like snap you to consciousness. There's, I mean, in, with lucid dreaming, they talk about um, doing reality checks. So, you know, like look at the sky and, you know, try to put your finger through your hand. Like you're, you're trying to create systems where you're always analyzing your level of consciousness. But the betrayal is just one of those things. Like if you can catch yourself betraying yourself, like in real time, it's almost like, it's something you can't argue with. It's something that kind of like throws a blow at you. It's it's like a tangible, it's like a gut punch or a face slap. Like you can't really, because you're the one dishing out the punishment, you can't really turn from it. But that contact of the betrayal does lead to more awareness, more consciousness. 
Yeah, it's completely backwards. Our uh, the more we evolve and studying the two different types of awakening, your betrayal was completely opposite of the betrayal I was trying to betray myself. I was trying to be- betray everything I had built up, and you were on the total opposite spectrum, working backwards. Um, very interesting viewpoints that we have moving forward. And we've seen, seen yeah. some of that demonstrated as far as you having strengths in one direction and me having strengths in one direction and being able to see things in a hundred percent view no matter what what we're dealing with. I think it's it's interesting if you look at, like um, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about like inanimate objects, like everything is consciousness. And then you can see like in the animal world where... Like most bio, most biology is not going to be able to escape their animal programming to understand that they can empty themselves out totally in order to have a higher experience. But it's interesting with like inanimate objects so if you think of like a road or a chair like why is that why is a road a road like instead of a road being no thing a road is a thing a road is a road but it requires like this human interaction to take the path of the road And why do humans do that? Well, because they don't want to go off and walk into the brush and into the weeds. So they stay on the path. They stay on the road. But in order for the road to be a road, it like takes like a higher level of cooperation. Because in the end, if the humans were gone, the road would just be no thing, right? Yeah, it would absolutely be no thing. Um, we, We definitely are the inventor of of the thing for for sure. Yeah. So it's entire identity is created by us. Like all of it, which is very simple. And I know like it's, it's black and white, like, and it's, and it's, you know, like a no duh type thing. But my point is like, you can see it clearly when you're looking at like inanimate objects, how the identity is 100% given from the human experience but when we're talking about the identity within we're blinded from that we we can't that point of view is not achievable because we can't look at ourselves objectively the way we look at an inanimate object objectively right so what is your What is your thoughts on no thing? Uh, a lot of people have always 
especially if they've come to a spiritual path and spiritual awakening that God is, is nothing, um, or a force, nothing being, being the most descriptive thing that we can put on it. If you, if you use the word omnificent, that that's the only description now that we can put on God is nothing. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's confusing. I, I think it's, um, I mean, when you it's almost like it reaches a point and you, okay, it's nothing, but nothing like represents like pure potential of consciousness. So you like, you go so far into nothing, it ends up being everything, every possibility. And um, I think there's a lot of like Hindu and and Buddhist uh, different ways of looking at it. I definitely find myself gravitating more to like God is everything. Like if I'm if I'm making sense of it in my own understanding, I'm way more drawn to God is everything. I think when you say God is nothing, I think you're saying the same thing, but it it's like one more level of complication. That I don't know if it's necessary, and it, then it almost like seems like semantics. Yeah, we're 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 taking a deep dive for sure. Um, I I see it at I mean, nothing is just a general. How do you paint the picture of God after a spiritual awakening? And you can relate nothing to consciousness. Um, but it's only a start there because the there's to me there's a force there's a force that uh when you meditate you can tap into it's 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 a level of energy that we don't necessarily know how how it's pumping into us but the idea of not being owned by the thought processes anymore and you having clarity of mind that you're constantly receiving, um, that, that charge, so to speak. And if you talk about the grand design of the universe, my wonder goes off the charts Because if you think of God as consciousness and no thing or a force, then we become like pretty important, pretty important because whatever we are, we, we are the design to observe everything. So if the creator wanted to be involved in it, it would have to be some kind of spectacle of a creation of a conscious person in his image, but we don't even know what that image is. But we are it. All spread out yeah. into numbers. So if it's no thing and it's consciousness we are that seed 
we yeah. are, we are it. Like if we have the ability to tap into that consciousness to become what we can become, it's as though when you walked into the store for the first time after your awakening and you felt a sense of a stadium cheer that you had dropped all your judgment yeah. in that moment, everything wants to experience, but it was for me to experience as well. So the oneness of the experience, it, it's all right, right there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That all rings true. It's just for me it's it it's the it's the very clear dropping your identity to get to the greater state of nothing. But then when you go beyond that and and you're trying to apply nothing like Cause I, I think that was perfect the way you said it. Like it's a force. It's a consciousness is a force. Like, yes, it's no thing, but like, it's almost like the, like you were saying at the very beginning, like maybe a limitation of the word. I've actually heard some other words in other languages where I think they do a better job of transcribing like what that omnificent no thing is. Like, I think our word is just too small and it gets just gets used in too many different um, connotations and stuff. And I, it just for me, I can't quite make it fit. But um, it's the closest word we have. I, I can't think of another one. But there's definitely there's some there's some really fun words in other languages i've heard them like oh they nailed it and the uh, buddhists and hindu have a couple and uh i can't really repeat them because obviously that's not my culture but um when i hear them i'm like oh that's pretty cool it just it almost looks like they spent more time thinking deeper about it than we have as a as a culture i mean Yeah, so you think of the experience and culture as the belief system, culture as the, you get a prize at the end of the life, as opposed to there's something here and now, a force that you can tap into to represent what created the universe and it's it's pretty profound because missing it missing it is pretty broad like most people do miss that and it's once we get to this level it's it gets extremely hard to put it into into words like you said um because it's it's almost like a wordless knowing at this point but that wordless knowing is is a is a force that's here to be 
examined and observed here, like now. And that's the whole point of this podcast, to be committed to the present moment and tap into that force that spread what has happened to us, to uh, other people. And that's the commitment that, that we've made to this. Yeah, there's there's definitely a um, like an a relationship between like your ability to become more nothing, and then there's like an opposite reaction of gravity on the other side, like you said, a force where like the the more that you can experience that, so instead of like reaching out to try to grab god or reaching out to try to know god the it's actually the more you can drop your own identity and become more of nothing in your inner self and that's actually the way to get there which is i think um new for a lot of people i don't i think People, when they find themselves like on a journey, I think they really try to reach for they They try to reach for the goal or try to reach for the connection to everything. And it doesn't really work that way. It, like on the inside, it starts with dropping enough of yourself. And, and the more you move in the direction of nothing, the greater the pull is from the other side that's pulling in into the one thing. So there's an inverse relationship there for sure. Very true. For sure. And that's definitely just listening on um, Twitter and uh, Soleil brought up some good points and um, definitely a lot of other spiritual teachers and legends like this ego and this ego count and this, you know, legion of ego. And I, I feel like there's a lot to talk about there because every, everybody seems to word it as, you know, there's many egos and it's a, constant fight with many egos is that how you see it too so yes on on Soleil's program she did bring up a thought provoking idea that she had revolving around the ego that that it doesn't actually completely die that you master it. And I pondered on that and I thought about your situation and my situation. And with you, I believe I'm in agreement with her as far as mastering it, because something doesn't ever leave you because now you're pretty close to the person you were before minus um, you know, you've built back some constructs in, in a healthy way. What the ego does, though, 
is create cells, entities inside that I believe do completely die. That's part of the process of losing your life to find it. It's a metaphor. That ego over time manifests something inside of you and it's an identity can either be an identity of a Christian. Okay, I go to church every Sunday. I have the identity of that. That's a strong one to let go. It's pretty strong. <laughs> it's an entity, though. It could be anything that you'd self-create. In your intellect, it was, you know, you had created all these systems of, of right and wrong and um but that they were systems that you had built from an ego. So did your ego completely die? She brings up a good point. But the entities that you create with an ego, which I think is 100% true, because something left you and something replaced that. And all the ancient texts, all the enlightened writings that you read from a lot of legends, we're all in universal agreement that you have to become nothing to become something. You have to lose your life to find it. It sounds very detrimental to the ego. I mean, it sounds pretty intimidating. But that that is a truth that I can see really clearly. I mean, you can debate on whether or not the ego completely dies, but there is self-created entity that the ego creates that completely dies. Multiple ones. One, two, I don't know. Take your pick. But those have to die. They, those have to dissolve for you to find it. Yeah. And again, like, I don't feel like I'm in disagreement with anybody. I think it's just um, everybody's personal experience. And I, I, I think I'm just in this, um, just with the quickness of everything. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like most of that identity or anytime I hear a voice in my head, like it doesn't necessarily have authority anymore, but that, but you also, you're, you're starting fresh. So, I mean, if the secret of life is you have to die, you have to die while you're alive. I totally agree. But there's also like a rebirth that happens right at that moment. And now you are still stuck in form. You are still like of the flesh and of the mind. And the mind has still conditioned. Like if I come and talk to you, like there's a history still of the way I talk to you. And so we will, to some degree, fall back into that pattern of history that we have, like with you and every other relationship in my life. So, I mean, the pace and the speed in which whatever died starts to reconstruct itself is actually unbelievable. Like it's like, um, I'll give you an example. So 
I was at work. And so, you know, you have tons and tons of acquaintances at work and there's a particular person where there's a history of the interaction going south between the two of us, just on a personal level between the two of us. And we sit down and we have an exchange. I mean, it lasts less than, you know, two minutes and the exchange went south again. And I certainly had enough awareness to where like I wasn't verbalizing any discontent. Like I wasn't in a actual argument with anybody, but in my head stuff started going like, Oh my gosh, here we go. This lady again. I mean, my goodness all the time. And so in your, you're out of that exchange and you're moving on. And I stopped. And I'm, the difference now is like anytime something like goes south like that, I immediately try to like do like a little bit of a postmortem, like what just happened. But most of the time when I do that now, and then this time in particular, like the entire negative part of the exchange was completely made up in my head. You know how like conversation and the nuance and sarcasm and like you can misread somebody or you can like kind of assume the worst out of something they said. Like there's all this wiggle room all the time in conversations that are happening. And if you're not really, really careful, you can assume like intentions from this person that weren't really there. And just the way this conversation played out, like I realized, oh, my God, the entire thing. Every that that was negative from that conversation was con- totally constructed by me and she was actually making an effort not to have it happen again and so you're just stuck with that like oh like so what's the lesson the lesson is you have to be super diligent when you're going into a situation where there's a history with these acquaintances And because you're bringing so much, it's, and you're doing that for a reason, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. Come on. I know your game by now. Like I'm ready for you this time. Like that's a very intellectual, that's a very logical way to move within your life experience. But the new version of me realizes when something goes south and what what I can do now that I couldn't do before is I can look at it objectively and I don't necessarily assume that when something goes wrong it was that other person's fault sometimes you look at it objectively and you're like damn I not really a whole lot I could have done there but then other times you look at it objectively and you're like holy crap that was 100% you check yourself next time with so i don't know if it's like the ego with that specific person or if it's just understanding the ego with the conditioning of relationships that you've built up amongst all of your acquaintances is that like one shared ego like that's where i get confused with like the number of egos because i always feel like it's the same one it's just the same one coming back as a zombie so you described earlier in previous episodes about, I thought it was masterfully done, by the way, especially when we were talking to someone, a guest that 
um, to get into detail of what goes on in the brain with the identities. And usually most of the time there was like three different ones, one, one, and then the one that made sense over time with no objectivity. What is building in the body? Cause this example that you had was post awakening. So your objective objectivity kicks in and you're able to you know, learn the lesson or probably prevent it from happening. Maybe it happens one more time, but eventually that, that situation is going to be mastered moving forward. It, it can only happen because at this point it's mastering this, mastering this, go on to the next thing. Previously, the things that you described in the brain that are going on that build up is over time, like years, when we're not objective and we're asleep, what is building up in the body? And the only thing that comes to mind is some type of entity because it gets some kind of strength and power. Not like a vampire, but something gains steam from your attention. Something gains steam from that over time, just as though we said, you know, we're godlike beings. So you're, you're manifesting something no matter what path you're on. So if you want to choose to manifest entities inside your body because you give power to the voices in your head, so be it. But it still is what it is. With your situation, and the way I'm seeing it is that what is that thing in the body? What is the thing that over time builds up? So there's a bit of strength with it. There's a bit of strength with that entity when there's no objectivity. So you're building some type of ego identity that did dissolve and did die. And you do build something back better, but you know how to master everything in that same process. So if things do come up, the mastery of your objectivity, it's going to be all over it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you fail tomorrow, that objectivity, when you get in the truck is going to kick in and you're going to be like, I understand what happened with a sleep state. What is that build up in the body? Cause that that's what essentially dies off, isn't it? Yeah. And that that's like the next level of awareness is that question because like if you look at it and especially so if you had an engagement that went south and then you have the realization that it was entirely your fault and yeah so in the past if you don't have that realization then now that starts like a little feeding frenzy and so you would be pulling energy up from the body and then turning it around in your head and feeding off your own energy of anger now so you're you're just creating this system and that's exactly what the system is designed to do i mean just like the system is designed to eat food like that is the function of the form so that's the whole thing when you're breaking into nothing you're stepping out of that and at least for this time I was able to step out and you stop that process from happening because if you don't, like you said, because so like, especially if you don't reciprocate and there was nothing vocal, there was nothing that went South vocally. Um, 
I would think that she might have not even noticed that it went south on my end because it was all in my head. Granted, it's possible I was sending out negative energy that she could have picked up on. But my point being, there was a level of discipline where it was stopped. Now, so nothing ethically, nothing morally, I didn't do anything wrong in that situation. Like there's no, there's, there's no judgment you can even put on yourself. But there's another piece of it where I lost energy. Energy conservation. I started the system and, and it started feeding on itself. And there's energy lost there through that interaction. So the judgment isn't ethical or moral. The judgment is mechanical because you want to retain that energy and then be able to bring that to the concepts later, like, you know, your alone time with the trees or whatever. Like there's going to be a better use for it if you can manage the energy better. And anytime you get caught up in a spiral, what's happening is you're leaking. And the the problem with the unconscious or the way I was before is that would start a spiral and then you'd just be caught there all day. And the next thing would just trigger you and the next thing would just trigger you. And then you're just stuck in that state of feeding on your own energy. Wow. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with uh, negative emotions. So the, the thought processes in the head, you have the identities that uh, speak to you or speak for you. The ones learned created, but the underlying connection to how that becomes an entity is resentment and anger and all the negative emotions that come with that's the that's the fuel for it i mean it it, it feeds in to that on your body and resides in you as a negative emotion and gets power from your self-created being being righteous in your head playing god so to speak which in all reality we're gods if we stop playing god isn't that paradoxical good god we're all gods if we stop we're all gods if we stop playing gods which is insane because the connection there is the the negative emotions because you can explain emotion after and i saw it clearly with you but emotion before awakening and emotion after awakening is two completely different things like waking up and walking outside and you looking at a tree and a tear is like coming out of your eye it's not like a manifested emotion it's just a gratitude emotion it's just a it's a figment of 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 God seeing this tree for the first time in all of it, and you're able to all of you have a communion, and it's kind of emotional, but it's good emotions. So you have good emotions and bad emotions. Most people, I think, are in tune with negative emotions, but the connection to the to the false self 
is the anger and resentment. There's got to be the lead, the lead ones. It's got to be because those are the connections to the perpetual cycles, especially generational and, and, and all of that that goes on. Resentment is what keeps those alive. It's what makes you feel yeah, it, righteous inside. Like I, they deserve my attention. They deserve my being. They deserve me creating someone inside of me just to hate them all by myself. They deserve that. Yeah. It's the superiority. Yeah, you, you, that's where you were saying yes. with the, with the God, but yeah. Cause so I took two weeks off and, um, and, the kind of the opposite of what we're saying is I, I was able to do a lot of um, prolonged meditation that I don't normally do. And what that does, why everybody talks about that so much is it just gives you more awareness of the energy inside. So you you become aware when you're leaking, you become like, so it's not like a moral judgment on myself that, you know, I'm thinking negative thoughts like, no, you're leaking energy. And and you you are the authority to stop that from happening. And so there was a contrast today. So I go back to work today and um, I'm catching up on current events because I've just been, I had a wonderful vacation where I didn't have to do anything. And so I put a lot of time into heavy uh, meditation. It was great experiences. Um, but you're going back to work and you're just trying to catch up on the current events. And it was so funny because, you know, you turn the, you turn the news on and immediately, like I, this is the first time I've ever even really noticed it to this degree. I start to get angry. Like that part I notice. I'm like, am I just getting angry listening to the news? This is crazy. And, but I'm, I'm aware. So I'm just letting it happen. Like, what is this happening? And so, you know, you're angry at this particular situation, but what you do is you assign, like you assign a general, like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, Bob represent the liberals on this particular subject. And I'm going to slay Bob because I'm so superior on this one. And if you're somebody like me, like me and the devil's advocate go way back. So I'll even do it the other direction. Oh, I'm going to have George represent the conservatives. I'm going to slate. So I literally just created a world where I'm superior to everybody. And I'm, I've, I've made everybody the victim of my hate, like just from 10 minutes of news. And you just see it all like rise up around you. And it's like, holy crap. I don't even know if I can listen to the news or like just play those fun little games with yourself and watch the awareness, just watch this whole thing happen. It's, it's a, the point of view I have now with that stuff is, uh, that's why I'm always wondering like that multiple ego thing, like, cause for me, it's like, it's just the same old ego. It's just, he's caught. He's caught. I mean, he, I can watch him do it and it's amusing and it just makes me laugh. But the, the difference like this week from last week, like, and I think actually Soleil played a big part in this in, in terms of me starting to understand this was instead of just sitting back, being the awareness and watching that happen, 
there's another level of awareness where it's like you're losing energy. So be careful those little amusing games you play with yourself. Because they do build up real quick. And I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like you are one superior mofo. This is this is good. And and but then now I I can see after this week of meditating, I'm like, oh my gosh, like if you if that machine starts generating and you let it go, it's it's just feeding off itself. So there, in order for me to stay like on top of the news, I'm going to need even another level of awareness where like I can't even let that stuff get going. And I, I, I believe I can do it. It's not that like I feel like I can't watch the news or anything, but where the place I was at, I was just it kind of reminds me of the demon trap, you know, where you step back like I can feel myself step back and I just watch it. But then what's happening is you're watching the charade, but the charade is taking energy. That's the part I didn't understand before. Yeah, it's interesting because as you speak, I'm leaning towards, you know, the ego. Uh, the ego. What you had built did die and fall off, but I'm trying to make the connection of, of what that is that's still alive because I, I can totally relate to like whatever you want to call it, temptation or where that comes from or um i'm sure many people can relate just turn on the news and see if you can regulate your resentment or anger or judgment i mean it's kind of a good test so it's it's a perfect example of 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 what we're talking about but where is it originating from you so ego something died that your that energy fed off you and built right that comes crumbling down. There's something there that does follow you around that wants to get back in and feed in the realm of trying to take Kane's attention. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, your cells and your form. I mean, it it just it's completely unescapable in terms of it just is the thing that you are. And and the whole spiritual path is rising above the thing that you are. So where where is the origin of the initial? Thought. Well, that, so if it's like the news example, I mean, you're doing it to yourself. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you exactly. put. Yeah. You're 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 just taking in the information and you think you're going to be objective. But, I mean, just the way the news is designed now, it's, it's specifically designed not to be objective. It's designed to get an emotional response. Correct. And so you're, you're just, you're willfully entering a system. So that's what I feel like a lot of times where it's like I see the cage, I see the cage of energy, and sometimes I find myself just stepping back into the cage. So, like, why why do you even listen to the current events on the news? It's like automatically that's stepping back into the cage. Now, now you can look at yourself in the cage and say, yep, 
they're the news is putting you back in this cage and you can be aware of the whole thing so that awareness never goes and my original state before these two weeks was just amusement of it like look at that look at that cage you can put me back in the, that's hilarious you know just amusement but yeah that's my point now in terms of coming out of these two weeks that i wasn't like so what is the benefit of like prolonged meditation and for me one of the benefits was like one more level to that awareness where i'm like i'm gonna have to be more careful and it doesn't have and instead of like amusement or like with soleil i was talking with logan it was amazement it's energy con conservation aware because if you are aware there like you can see it clearly like you're you you're building something that needs energy to keep to to keep doing the dance for you as the awareness so every time like you've created something and even if you have the awareness of it and you want to sit back and you want to watch it dance for you that dance requires energy but that's what the the little meditation retreat i had kind of uh taught me is like oh <laughs> this energy is useful in other areas if you respect it better so yeah since you did a lot of meditating let's dive into that and when you're when you're meditating do you notice at times that you just went down a thought process boy i am super clear on my meditations still i mean it can happen but in in that moment where something comes to grab your attention what do you think the origin of that is because I, I i'm asking do you feel the pull in meditation when you're aware the pool of luring thoughts and those luring thoughts, what is the origination of those? I mean, it feels, it feels external, but I mean, that could be like a, something that gets lost in translation too, because I feel like there's almost and understanding where even if it was coming from my own brain, it still feels external. So there's like external and there's like another level external, like you're picking up some kind of other frequency. So in meditation, because I'm so non-reactive to any thought stream, it almost feels like you're tuning a dial into an old radio. You know how you just flip and you could hear something or a thought could pull, but you're just turning the dial so quickly and as long as you don't engage in reaction to whatever those things are, the dial just keeps on turning. And you could sit there and have to turn the dial back and forth for a while until you can get it to like a quiet space. But in terms of like, I don't really feel too much of a, I mean, I think I'm very grateful because I, I don't remember meditation being that way. But right now, my meditation is actually pretty quiet. 
but a lot of that is like I've, I've been playing around with new techniques and uh one of them that kind of blew me away is uh i don't i might not even necessarily be saying this right but prama pramayama so it's basically just starting out with some kind of rigorous breath technique so wim hof has methods like this there's tons of i looked at tons of youtube videos about um harsher breath technique meditation there's stuff you can do with your nostrils plugging up not there's tons and tons of ways actually you tweeted one out recently where it was like in two three four and that hold and then out so really slowing the breath to that hold and all of them have the same thing where what you're trying to do is and i don't know if i'm saying this right but this is my experience what you're trying to do is create a little bit of uncomfortability within the form so something on the level of like lightheaded and tingly. So if you hyperventilate, like there's a lightheaded and tingly sensation that comes in. So you get done with that breath technique and you get to a place where it's it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's not like that technique on its own is not like some blissful thing you're doing. You're actually in to some degree either hyperventilating with the oxygen. So super oxy- oxygenation in the cells. But then right when you feel it, bam, go quiet. And from there, like that quietness, when you're feeling lightheaded and maybe a little bit dizzy, that state is so crazy when you start your meditation because you, I can't figure out how that feeling is connected to me. So it's a, like it's a mechanical pullback. Like as soon as you feel that lightheaded and dizzy, like where does that connect to me? Like look for it. Where does it connect to you? And doing that, asking that question creates a whole lot of space and you can't figure out how it connects to you. So you start out your meditation with this like real tangible pullback. And then you go into like your prolonged meditation from there. And that like really helped to quiet my mind because the thoughts at that point, after you have a pullback like that, they, they don't have any authority. They don't have any power. You, they just scroll on by. I do a lot more breath work now than I ever did. Um, growing out of breathing issues, I guess, as a child, uh, it wasn't the best thing for me to do as far as meditation now it's totally different it's totally different and while you were speaking i just did that one two three four in and then hold one two three four and then exhale for six the hold i got lightheaded when you hold at the top and that was that was a key because i never did any holding before everyone says Take a deep breath in out. And it's helpful. There's something to the hold as well. Like play around with the hold at the top. Just in hold in general, be super present during the hold because you can feel your temples pulsate. I mean, you're holding your breath at the top. Everything kind of stands still. And then you 
exhale and like you said that lightheadedness just, just from one of, i just did one of those and i got tingly and lightheaded just from one of those then the slow exhale it puts you just from one in 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 in, in a good good space I'm thankful that I do a lot more with breathing now because it was something that I kind of stayed away from in my younger days just because the breathing wasn't right there. But all, all that's been worked out. And like I said, ever since you had that second awakening, that new breath, they hit the back of my nostril. And I remember when you said your breath changed as well, I had like an an aura shock from it like like um <laughs> and i had that side effect new breath like oh it hit the back of my nose oh it does feel like a halls mm, that's a new <laughs> breath so yeah and i i don't have any problems with breathing i mean i i don't um there's no hyperventilation i can go from 20 deep breaths and go right into a normal breathe i've kind of mastered that uh, with the help of just staying on course and diligent, but things change in our body as we grow older and become better at certain things. But I used to really only do the, you know, the hand and the body uh, coupled with the mind's eye. It's interesting. I, when I had, this is super hard to describe but when I was meditating and I was, I was pushing through that anxiety and I came to the moment where my eyes were shut and I had the moment where I felt like I saw consciousness. And if you could put no thing into a visual, the light was not bright, bright, but when you close your eyes in the middle and the center I guess it's more of like moonlight, but not even like moonlight. It's very hard to describe. I, that moment when I saw that light, I immediately, like you did, felt like something coming in. So when you, when you, the, the rug pull, when I got to that point in meditation where, it's, it's almost like pushing the door. So you're almost like, you know, just pushing that anxiety, but then something just completely dropped the light that I saw. And this is for the listeners too, just, just as far as trying to describe something, ultimately you're looking for that consciousness light. That's going to be able to, that you're going to break through to be able to see and interact with. And I, I haven't had the same experience since then as far as the level of how strong that light was in the beginning, just as though when you're awakening, you know, the, you're probably never going to have the same first two weeks as you had then. But since that day, there's no one that has ever been able to take that away from me. And I could never conform to anything anymore. No matter if I was the last person on earth and I... And people were knocking on my door and telling me I had to do this or had to do that. 
no one could ever take that away from me. But I've never really talked about that light that I saw. And it's pretty substantial and a pretty cool experience to have. And, you know, we talk about spirituality being mechanical and being the experience. And it is. It's a real experience that you can have that doesn't make me special or you special. It's just we've had it. So trying to point you in the direction of where that is so all the other stuff can can fall off is the ultimate mission. Yeah. I was going to ask you, it, my, my point to that was, I know you've done a lot of meditating when like your consciousness right there, a lot of times is almost your mind's eye, but you're, you're looking at the back of your eyelids. So it's there's shots and sparkles and stuff, you know, flashes of light, just the human body in that space, just coupled with you in the present moment. Have you ever seen t any type of, luminescent i even think i told you this about the kids of like what to look for probably second nature to a kid they could probably shut their eyes and that happened naturally if they're somewhat untouched but have you ever seen that or experienced it i know you were working backwards so yeah i it's yeah that whole thing in terms of um just going back with you and i like the way i used to talk about meditation or the way i used to understand meditation i i do think it's on like a completely different path now and there's something like i feel like i used to be able to see stuff a lot more clearly than i do now but it's it's almost as if um like the way my attention work has works has been shifted. Like it's way more like body than ears. And then like, maybe I'll be aware of what my eyes are picking up, but it's almost like that's the last thing now. And it's, um, that that's what brought me to like the energy leakage in terms of like experience, even though I, I got hints from, people uh sole last week but in terms of my own experience it was really feeling that energy in the body and i get these almost like my attention is is uh overwhelmed by the body sensation now and i, I get like uh like momentum and shaky like i feel like um i feel like there is an energy version of me that's inside the form that's almost like rocking and um all this is just so tangible and and intense it's just overriding the rest of my awareness and if anything comes online after that it's in my ears and um it's it's almost like you're even in silence like you're you're not hearing anything but then that silence seems to come alive 
And then there's like one more level that I've seen where I feel like I'm getting silence from two sources, which sounds weird, but it's like just like another dimension of sound there. And, and, um, that was most of my experience in terms of like, but it, it's weird for me because I definitely remember being way more visual when I meditated in the past, but now that's like, there's like a reverse process going on. Yeah. For me, I wasn't, I was more visual in, in the beginning for sure. And I, I knew definitely don't need that that moment anymore but i i just i've heard people who have these near-death experiences and things that could wake you up on a level just from something traumatic happening and when i some of those when i look back uh, uh, before awakening not that I had a level of skepticism with it, but a lack of understanding or ignorance towards situation. But I could relate to when people said that when I saw that and had that impactful moment and felt like I was, I had, I was looking at love. I was looking at no thing. I was looking at consciousness and it was there with me. And it didn't have anything attached to it. It was just consciousness, but it was pure love. And it was some type of infinite force. At that time, I've heard people say this, I knew I couldn't stay there forever. So I had whatever it was, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. I don't remember how much time but it didn't take much time to fill me up from that moment just as though it didn't take much time to fill you up from that moment that moment was something that you you couldn't stay there in which to me that's kind of perplexing in itself and it's as though like this is the answer you're looking for and now you have love you know where love is now move forward and and i did get what i need and there's there's nothing that can ever penetrate that i'm just curious of why it's so hard to attain for me so hard to get to that point to where you see it. it seems like you should be able to tap into that more often but it was more of a like you said, someone who gets in a car accident and they have in a wake up moment from something crazy that happened that just jolted their whole life and their whole brain, that's temporary too. They don't have those twice. <laughs> yeah. You only have them one time. The thing that was unique about you is maybe call it a second awakening or what you want. I was getting the effects of just being so near a person that was awakening. I think you get like that's that aura that it's just making you feel it. Not like the first time. So I did get kind of a 
extra points on that, I think, just because I was I was right there and I was getting something residual from you. Um from yeah. from your energy that was so strong at that moment. I know I was getting something that was impacting me on on a crazy level, even though I wasn't asking for it. I guess my question to the universe is why why is it so concealed i guess is the word and fleeting yeah i know it was uh i think we even talked about it on the podcast but it was one of the friday nights i came home and i had i quickly had and this is after i woke up i quickly had like three whiskeys and it was just, you know, you 46 years old and you work through the week and you just come home on Friday night and you have whiskeys. Like, that's just what you do because that's just the way it's been. And so I remember like in the awakened state, you come home and you have three whiskeys. And I remember like walking upstairs and standing in the kitchen and like, awareness and presence hitting me so hard and like the first thing i notice is like oh you're not even really balancing the way that you should be you know what i mean like you're you're actually swaying a little bit can you not stop that right now and then so you're wondering like like okay you know apparently i'm going to be harsh with myself and then it's just really one question. It's like, is this in the direction of consciousness or in the direction of unconsciousness? Like you decide. And so for these two weeks, it's really one of the first times. I mean, I went completely off it. I'm just like, I can't really, I can't really face myself like under those conditions anymore and it's not as if like there's this big charge where like i need to stop drinking or sometimes i don't even feel like i desire to stop drinking but what i do desire is growth in my own consciousness and it goes to exactly what you were saying where like can you get that feeling back can i mean can you move back to that direction of when you first found yourself empty and getting filled up, can you move into that direction? Is there discipline? Is there devotion that will put you there? And I don't know that the answer is yes, but I know for sure that you're not going to do it drinking on Friday nights, you know, three whiskeys like that's, it's not going to happen that way. But through the experiment, experiment of laying off, the first thing I realized was like, there's an awful lot of unconsciousness that I deal with. And that started to like ring super clear to me. Like, so your form, you go throughout the day and there's that whole period at night where I mean, you could look at the clock when you go to bed, it's 11 and your next moment of awareness could be seven o'clock in the morning. 
like not have any awareness at all through that entire time. Now, when you cut out the alcohol, you realize like, oh, I can try to go into that state with awareness. And then it helps you wake up with that awareness. So, I mean, the alcohol question just gets very, very easy. But it also illuminates like another path of devotion where it's like, oh, there's a lot that you can do here to try to maintain consciousness through this state that's conditioned to be unconscious. And I think there's a lot there. I think for me, that's kind of like my next step of progression. Like I'll give you an example. I was setting an alarm for three o'clock in the morning for multiple nights just to go, just to bring awareness back, get up, get a drink of water. A couple of nights I actually meditated at that time, but try to start to work on that conditioning because when I lay in bed at night or I'm, or I'm going to bed at night, I'm starting to realize like, oh, I'm just waiting for unconsciousness. I'm just waiting for rest. I'm just waiting for it to stop for a little bit so I can just be black and then wake up later. Just give me some rest. But it, but that's all the form. What does that have to do with me? Like and that's where like a lot of that energy conver, conver, that energy conservation stuff starts to come in. Like when you're not blasting energy out on constructs, on constructs of anger, you know, you're not blasting it out, having it do a dance for you and you start to save that energy, like that energy is ready to pop out when you lay down. Your body needs the rest, but if you've done a good job conserving that energy, especially if you have like prolonged meditations and stuff through the day, that consciousness is restless. It, it, it has, it has no intention to let the lights go out. So you kind of play security guard with yourself, like trying to maintain consciousness as you let your body fall asleep. And there is really interesting states of consciousness through that period of like the body hitting the form hitting sleep states while the consciousness maintains awareness. There's, there's a path of progression there that I can see clearly, not that I'm a mastery of it at this point, but I, I do think there's, I do think there's a lot there. And, um, you know, talking about like your moment with the light or my moment getting filled back up. I mean, I, I do think that there's moments in our future that will be just as spiritually significant as the ones that are in our past. I think that's the, the path in itself, uh, the infinite nature of a spiritual journey after awakening is the grandiose beautiful unfolding of it constant amazement of of what the potential is because the potential just keeps getting higher and higher of what 
we think we're capable of. And that's the, that's the prize per se of not being in the head anymore, not playing God anymore is that you are able to go on this journey that is kind of just turns into this ever present scavenger hunt that never really ends that we just continue to, I mean, the fact that we're so far along in this podcast on, on this journey and it is where it is today is it's been three months. I mean, we've come so far, but the only thing we've done is just stay committed to the scavenger hunt and in the present moment, that's, that's the only thing that we've done. And there's nothing special about it as far as me and you other than becoming nothing. There's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing special. And I'm saying that for the listeners the idea is not to put anyone on a pedestal as though we wouldn't put, you know, Eckhart Tolle or Osho or those guys on a pedestal because they would say the same thing to you as though Jesus said the same thing to the people that tried to make him a king. And it's fascinating to me that the blasphemy thing keeps coming up when you have spiritual legends drumming down their cells constantly trying to get people to not make a religion out of them. And yet a religion is made almost every time if you get to a certain level. Now, a little different though. I think consciousness is evolving to where the pros and cons of technology that the platform of how people can objectively look at what spirituality is and what oneness is so before even before the internet you had books the main one was the bible even before the 80s and 70s, how many spiritual books were... So you had to go by ancient-type text to try to sift through to find the secret. And we all know there's been a lot of toppling governments over the last 2,000 years. So we all know that there's been a lot of control going on that's happened over and over and over and over and over. The thing that's different now that seems so ripe is that you can't stop this technology thing. You can't stop it negatively, but you can't stop it positively. You can't stop this train. So you got people that can validate spirituality and oneness and just just the involvement we've had in Twitter. where It's almost like you're gaining a coalition of like-minded people there and you even said it last time on the program if you want to know the truth 
it's out there and you can validate it. Like you can validate it. Don't what I'm saying, what Kane's saying, go, go listen to Osho, go listen to Eckhart, take your pick, go listen to whoever you want to listen to. Look and look for the common denominators. You can compare everything now. You can put everything into perspective now. That's the beauty of technology. Is I'm three months and we're broadcasting. It's insanity. It's definitely insane. Yeah. It's um Yeah, it it almost mirrors it almost mirrors the dream state. I mean, there what it does is with the technology, I mean, it just opens up this mystical side. It opens up, you know, I'm enjoying now like when i when i can stay on that like adventurous hearted state like that's like it's just a good state and when you're there it's because you, you know you're doing a good job of not classifying you're um you're you're not labeling and you can definitely reach some good peaks with that but with that's what i like about like the dream states and the sleep states and then when you open it up to technology i mean it goes off into all kinds of directions. I mean, the idea that we know what's possible in terms of mystically and like what states we can achieve is just um, like, we're only limited by our own thought process. And uh, I mean, that's why I was definitely pushing in those sleep directions. I mean, I'm, I don't know that I've, been doing it 100% correctly. And I know that I've been making uh, some subtle adjustments, but I'm, I'm definitely really kind of on the path of that consciousness needs to try to stay for like as much, as long as possible with you, like as, as often as it can be. And that like goes through the evening and like that new, um, I I don't know, that new goal has been a nice little forward momentum push that uh, I've enjoyed. It's been fun. It's really either just like you said, conscious or unconscious. And after a wake up, your allegiance is drawn to that so heavily and the devotion is so strong that, you know, you're in your situation, you were basically pulled out, um, so no one can ever take that contrast away from you and no one can take that first two weeks away from you. And it's, it's definitely nothing that can ever be 
taken from you. So your devotion now going forward is just to, to, to be that consciousness all the time. And then the times that where unconsciousness comes in, it just whips, whips around like crazy. Um, and shows you that it's, that it's unconsciousness. So, I mean, it's, it's, definitely still witnessing you go through all the stuff that you're going and working through backwards. It's given me awesome perspectives. It's given me opportunities to, to look at how, uh, my life has gone as far as awakening and, and going down the path. And, um, it's, it's been a sight to see that's for sure. It's just, yeah. Cause consciousness or unconsciousness like in in the in the conscious world like i was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about their own thoughts and they drew the metaphor of a train so they were saying if i'm quiet and i try meditating my thoughts hit me as if it's a train and immediately like the first understanding with that is like wow there's a lot of awareness in that statement there's a lot of awareness in that statement now my retort to that would be so you're either conscious of the train or you're unconscious of the train the train is always there it's just you don't notice it unless you look at it but when you're unconscious the train's just running you over all the time and you're just unconscious to it and that's why when you stop you're like oh my god it's a train but there's this that's why i'm talking about with the sleep like so like my question would be like so i go unconscious in my sleep right but i think that energy that that spirit part of me is off doing something. I'm just unaware of it. Mm. So I can't bring my consciousness there with me. And the reason that you get clued in on that, because if you do a better job at prolonged med- meditation and you do a better job of like cleaning your system so you're, you're all, always sleeping sober, the first thing you start to realize is like, oh, I get little hints and glimpses of I was actually doing something. Right. But I can't bring it into memory. So I'm having like, so I'm active. Right. So there's a train there. It's almost, it's very parallel to that conversation I was just saying. There's like a deeper level to it where I can't bring my consciousness past my own form of falling asleep into like this other realm of consciousness but so i think anytime you lose consciousness doesn't mean it means you're off somewhere unconscious so the more you gain traction on that mechanism and And now you don't know what's feeding on you as you don't know anything. Yeah. You don't know anything. Yeah, you could you could you could work through 
maybe you're getting help. Maybe something's feeding on you. Maybe you work through some kind of process, but you can't bring it back to you because you, you weren't conscious of right. it. So it, just like with the train and it's like, it's either the, it's always there. You're either conscious or you're unconscious. There's, there's a parallel there. So for me, I feel like this next step of devotion to the consciousness is I think prolonged meditation, which I know is difficult for a lot of people, but I'm specifically now talking like my path of devotion I find myself on, more consistent long periods of meditation and specifically controlling that time before bed. So instead of the typical, like, you know, watch a Game of Thrones up until 10 o'clock and then shut the TV off and go right to bed. Like if you can stop earlier, get a good 45 minute meditation in, which is going to be better for you anyway than whatever stupid show you're watching. And then from there, hit your sleep state. And now you have more opportunity to maintain that consciousness because i think if you start to blend those th- two things together like especially around bedtime you, you at least set your intent to be quiet and aware like in that system of circadian rhythm and i think you give yourself a shot at maintaining consciousness better going into your when your form wants its unconsciousness for rest i definitely have been being pulled in in the direction going to sleep and having this really peace uh more so laying with myself especially when going to bed and you know we talk about different levels of spirituality i feel like i've been at peace for relatively long period of time and that peace gets even stronger and the pulls get even stronger on the path to where my being like is, is, is almost in like, wow, you don't understand. You get to go lay with yourself. You're about an hour early. You get to go at nine o'clock and, and lay in the bed with yourself. And the level of comfortability I am with that is, is getting to be off the charts because it's, it's not like looking forward to going to Disney world or anything, but not that excited or whatever. But when that time comes, it's, it's a, a pool of, wow, this is going to be peaceful. I get to go lay with myself and that's getting stronger and stronger and stronger as though the last, 20 years of my life have been getting, getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So that the path is so continuously giving you tidbits of exposure to what it is along the way. Yeah. Constantly. Like, like tonight when I don't think I can one up last night, as far as just feeling at peace and going to lay down, but it'll be just as peaceful if not more than the night before. And somehow there's different levels. I did want to hit, you brought up the train. This is something I don't bring up a lot just because I, I can't remember, but 
when you bring it up, I try to remember where I was at before I awakened and where all that pain originated from, because I think it's super important for the listener and super important for someone who wants to awaken and push through that door. So the, a lot of people talk about the endless loop of thought, right? To me, it was, if you could paint a picture in your head, it was a giant circle and that circle kind of never stops spinning, right? And that circle could be in the terms of life experiences, that circle could be really, really large, like a big ass Ferris wheel that, that comes around, right. Of all these life experiences where even starting with, uh, elementary school or, you know, dealing with a bully at, at school, anything you dealt with incorrectly, and didn't apply the proper forgiveness. Whatever was improperly dealt with adds to that Ferris wheel in the mind. So then the laying down and seeing the train coming, to me, just a different set of words, the endless loop of thought. So you got your whole life along with your ego, right? So your ego's working, it's creating a a sideshow to the Ferris wheel. So it's like in all the girls in my house, I don't know, even know what it comes from, but whenever something's happened or you spill a drink, someone says, I'm okay. Everyone's okay. I'm okay. (laughs) It's just one of those (laughs) things that we do kind of like the keyboard moment comes from a movie, but doesn't ring a bell. So you have the the Ferris wheel in your mind. That's where the pain was created, right? There is something in motion that's going around in circles in your mind that, if faced, causes pain. Because I was an idiot until I was 20, 25, whatever it was. So I I didn't have the knowledge to deal with an impatient teacher or a bully – as far as the aftermath, the aftermath. So if you uh, got in a fight with a bully and I play in my mind that I should have hit him with an uppercut, I should have hit him with a body blow. I should have, I, I should have fought better. So the endless loop on that Ferris wheel is that one little seat, right? So there's so many different things in different seats around the Ferris wheel that constantly come into your mind. So you lay down, this is pre-awakened, right? You lay down separation from the creator, lay down endless loop of thought. One comes up, bam. Oh, there's the bully cart. I can jump into that and I can resent that. I can do that for like 15 minutes because I'll, I'll think about the bully and I'll think about all the ways I should have beat his ass. And I can, I can feed on that one for 15 minutes. Okay, no, I'm done with that. So that one goes here. And then the next cart comes up. That one I just let go, I was in judgment and resentment. It's going to stay on the Ferris wheel because I didn't learn the lesson. But I don't know how to learn the lesson. Like the Ferris wheel just gets bigger and bigger no matter what. If you don't know how to learn the lesson, then the Ferris wheel continues to turn and continues to cause that separation, that pain. Meanwhile, you're building the ego construct that says, I'm okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. (laughs) 
that's the yeah. personality behind the Ferris wheel of the thought. So when that pain that I talk about when you go down to meditate, when your Ferris wheel is so large, not from anything other than you're just 20 years old or 25 or you're 40, whatever it may be, you have life experiences when you were asleep or unconscious, you did not know how to deal with them correctly. You didn't know how to forgive someone what that meant. Okay. See on the bully wheel, it comes up that person. I, I didn't take the bait that time. I see it. I didn't judge them. I didn't resent them. I just look at it objectively and I'm not going to engage with it. Now the cart dissolves. And it's really that simple, but to someone who's unconscious, it's just see the bully jump into it. It's just see the bully jump into it. Like there is no way for you to stop it. Objectivity, like when you see the cart come up, bam, it's pretty easy. Okay, I see this person that I've never been able to let go. I've never been able to not be resentful. Now let's sit here in this pain for just a second. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I love this guy. I beat his ass every time. I love it when this guy comes yes, up. Yes, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because whatever whatever I, I train myself to do is I've trained myself to jump into that. So when you yeah. when I pull back for the first, I'm not awakened, right? I'm not awake. I've heard someone show me the door. They tell me, oh, this is what you do. So I got to go through all the, the effing Ferris wheel. So I pull... I, I look at that and I'm like, okay, Ferris wheel got that hurt a little because I really liked hating that guy. That hurt a little because I really liked that Ferris wheel stop. I really liked that time yeah. to come over. And then the next one comes and you're like, oh shit, I've been hating this person. I got to do the same thing. Don't tell me I got to do it with this. Person. Okay. It's the same process. Okay. It's the same process. I'm just going to feel it. Okay. Yep. I'm sorry. I've been hating this person <laughs> incorrectly. And it literally is that objective truth. So broken down and simplistic and you constantly are going through. And I, all those things that come up that you're like, well, I didn't deal with that for the two weeks of breaking through the pain. Those are all kind of revealed to you. And everyone listening knows exactly what you're talking about. It may be two, three, four people. It may be 20. You may be the person that like hates everyone you come in contact with. You just secretly resent everybody. I don't know how big your Ferris wheel is, but the Ferris wheel is the train. Yeah. You do have to say, you do have to commit. You do have to be sincere that the hate objects can no longer be hate objects. They can't survive. Which is why they say forgiveness is for you, ultimately, because I didn't know what forgiveness was until I understood that concept. Forgiveness was, you have a Ferris wheel, like, you're only hurting yourself. My God. Like, you playing God with that Ferris wheel is you keeping yourself from a spiritual awakening. But you love misery. You love hating. How long are you going to hate for? How long are you going to do it? Is it painful? I think it's painful. You can't face that pain? That was beautiful. That was, that was really good. <laughs> that We could timestamp that one. Every once in a while, you spark something when I said the train. I Well, before, there's a lot of 
substantial stuff I've never talked about, but you're talking, I mean, a while ago and I just put myself pre-awakening, like what, what's Luke's head look like? What, what do I look like? Where did that yeah. pain come from? It's, it's, it, it's a loop of thought. I mean, anyone who's asleep would be able to, you know what the endless loop of thought means. It's the endless loop of thoughts. It's the reason why sometimes you can't go to sleep. It's, it's the bait. It is what keeps that ego entity alive. The ability to feed on all these objects of hate in your Ferris wheel. And that's what it was for me. When I talk about, it's very interesting that I haven't got to this depth before because I talk about pain all the time with you and how it was anxiety. And I, I remember you gave me that exercise about the different meditation with the vertebrae in your back and it gave me anxiety and it kind of, there wasn't, there wasn't any image with it. So that was a little bit startling in itself because it was anxiety without an image. Um, but when I had, when I was going through those Ferris wheel moments and people would pop up and I would understand that there was something I had to let go and it was all on me. The only reason I had attachment is because of some sort of resentment or whatever the fuel was. I didn't know that pullback when you're still somewhat unconscious is very, very painful right here. Like it's, it's, it's a voluntary death of every single thing on the Ferris wheel but they all have to be gone through. Gosh. Yeah, but 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 it it it's not the way I describe it too though is is a healthy good pain because you do know your Hayden tells me all the time. She says, "Dad, I'm I can't meditate, it gives me anxiety." And I said, "Hayden, that's all I needed to know. Go and, and I I I I can't remember in the moment what I said, but I, I've told both of them go towards the anxiety. Like, and I, because when they say that they attribute anxiety to something negative that, so go sit down and meditate and it gives you anxiety that it must not be right or it must not be the right thing to do. And I say, no, anxiety is your friend. If you feel anxiety and you start to meditate, like go towards the pain because something has been going around in the Ferris wheel for so long and you're feeling it as soon as you shut your eyes and get calm. One of the very first moments you almost get anxiety, not even from an image, but just because you know, the Ferris wheel is turning and you sit down and close your eyes and you're about to get intimate with it. That causes anxiety. Yeah, that's really good. There's there's a lot in there. Yeah, I think that's the best I've understood what you're talking about with the pain. You know who, what movie monologue sums that up perfectly? No, but Tombstone. Tombstone? When he's on his deathbed and he's trying to figure out if he can beat Ringo and why it's asking him like 
where does his pain come from? And finally, it's like he needs revenge. Revenge for what? Being born. <laughs> yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden truths out there that that come along the way. That's definitely the best I've ever understood the pain you were talking about because I I I did. Yeah, if we were going to write two books, yours would be called The Hard Way and mine would be called The Easy Way. <laughs> so there is a sense of backwards working for you, though, too. Like there's different things that you yeah. have way more knowledge about than I, and there's things that I have way more knowledge about than you, but the pair together, for me going mm-hmm. the direction I did and you, we have the complete um, backwards connection. If I'm not forward, you're backwards. So it's 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 all it's all right there that part is super interesting it was um when i start to get into the pre-awakening and start to examine that just a rabbit hole we've never really gone down before um and i do i bring it up just for the simple fact that I know what people attribute anxiety to just from hearing Hayden. And, you know, if someone didn't tell me go towards the pain, I I might've, you know, shied away too. There's gotta be someone that you can trust that says go towards the pain. And I, I had a figure that I trusted that I knew. Okay. And, and it makes sense it makes sense. Like if you, if you want to rid your body of anxiety, one, there's something going on there. There's some kind of attachment to something. There's something you don't want to let go of. There's something that you're dealing with in the future. There's something you're dealing with in the past. If you want that to go bringing attention to it makes the most sense. I'm not saying it's the easiest path, but if you want to tackle the anxiety that has to do with things that you haven't let go of, in things that have to do with the endless loop of thought, the only commonsensical thing and that hopefully you would relate to me on and trust me is that you would have to go towards that. I mean, it doesn't make sense to go away from that. It doesn't make sense to uh, take a pill that masks that it doesn't, it, it makes sense to go towards it. Although I know people, a lot of people aren't going to choose that path for the person that may be listening that understands what I'm saying and wants to delve down that path. That's the only path for like ridding the body of it completely because you have to resolve those things that you've given energy to. And, and to your point, I remember I don't think I had the same kind of justification processes that you did. Like they deserve it. I don't think I had that strong voice that was really kicking me in, but I did have a sense of, I felt really, really good. And maybe that is the voice they deserve it because it felt really good that I was getting some kind of justice in my head by resenting. Yeah. And it's an illusion. There's no, yeah. there's no one suffering, but the person who's on the Ferris wheel, 
Right. You're not getting any revenge. You're yeah. not getting anything. So the word forgiveness when it came to light and me understanding what forgiveness meant again i i looked at culture and i looked at belief systems and i thought my god the injustices that are going on like people tell people what they think forgiveness is and they couldn't be like leading people like completely backwards if they try it's it's astounding to me it's astounding that People say, this is how you forgive. And it's just like this surface level, like, did you, did you go tell him you forgive or some, some BS or something? I've heard people's rendition on whatever it is. If it doesn't come from within, it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I even made the case that, you know, 90% of people generally are well-intended. And you reminded me that the path to hell is paved with well intentions, good intentions. Yeah. But that's so true too. Like it's baffling. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, Cause that just hearing that here, like they're on the path to here. Yeah. Separation. Yeah. 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 Creating the hell in their own minds, but that's, when when you're going over all that, I wonder if there's because like the type of pain that you're describing there, and, and I was with you, I I I I was feeling that. Um, but I'm imagining myself as a younger version of me when I'm doing it, and I do feel like, like just in terms of the contrast with you and I. Like over time, if you hadn't have done that, I feel like over time, like those resentments, you get better and better. So they're coming around on the Ferris wheel. And like, I didn't face them with like that timing that you did where you just forced it. But over time, those resentments did dissolve just because I was just too old for that shit. You know what I mean? They just, over time, they just dissolve. Mm -hmm. But that's what's so, so when people are talking about the many egos, so that resentment or that, you know, young testosterone version of myself, that did dissolve. And I let go of a lot of those resentments, whatever they were. But then the ego starts in, in other ways. So, at later on in life, if you're successful, if you're a family man, if you're, you know, doing the things that are considered right by the society, you're, you're going to set yourself up as being right. You're going to set yourself up and build your character. You're going to set yourself up and take pride in the character that you built. And so all you're doing is you're escaping one system. That's why I think so many talk about like the many egos. You you just drop one system and it just immediately develops into another. And it's interesting be, because, I mean, not to be comparison about it or like compare like the two egos, but it is, 
it is interesting, like where the trap is set the hardest. And I don't know the answer to that question. And maybe it maybe it all depends on personality. But like as soon as so I think I probably naturally dissolves the Ferris wheel that you're talking about. Just because over time you're just I'm not carrying all that with me. But it didn't even matter. Because as soon as I drop that Ferris wheel, I start on a new structure that's just as just as imprisoning as the Ferris wheel was. So it's just this constant fluctuation of trying to understand like where people are at within the construct. And if they're depressed or if they're on anti, I mean, if they're visibly or tangibly emotional, then yeah, I think they're going to be like in that Ferris wheel trap. But then there's these, other people who are pretty confident, you know, have a lot of character are far along on the path. And that pride has snuck in the back door and they think that's them. And that, that that's clearly, um, you know, where I was at for sure, but it's, I, do you think those are more like personality or do you think those are like just stages of aging? We've talked about the differences between, I don't know if I had the capability to build some of the constructs that you had that alleviated other constructs. Personality, maybe. I did want to get into this as far as it's popping in my head right now but i was i considered myself like a seeker since i was a little boy and i had no idea what i was doing at 20 years old 22 whatever it was there is a level of ignorance as well so what however you were able to escape the ferris wheel I don't think I had the ability to do that. Maybe it is personality. Maybe I I didn't have the ability to do what you're talking about doing because I think I would have tried. I mean, it wasn't necessarily. You don't think it would have happened naturally over time. As far as going into another contract and like completely alleviating, I mean, there's no way of, for me of knowing that obviously things just over yeah. time and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to carry this with me, but there, these are such subtle things and such intimate details like, of yeah. Um, I, I yeah. Cause for me, like, it's like at that age, like all I can say is like, very very ignorant at that time to whatever's going on and and naive so you're trying to get to a certain point but i did know i was always seeking but as far as personality i don't i don't know if i could have done what you did no i'm not not sure but really no way of knowing i mean i would have adapted 
I, I would sure, be yeah. I would have built myself into something. Right. I mean, I I would have been maybe the same person I am now. I, I actually I take that back. It's pretty hard job. I don't know if I'd be able to do this this kind of work without the mental training that I've had. So no, I mean, there's I advantages of of what I did early. When I was a kid, though, I used to I didn't know what I was doing. I would stand in front of the mirror and say. I know I'm Luke. I think I even say, I know I'm Luke Sarter. I would look at myself eye to eye say, I know I'm Luke Sarter, but who am I? That was my spiel to myself when I was like seven, eight, nine. I remember the Hunter house going and standing in front of the mirror. And I, I said, I know I'm Luke, but who am I? I was making the observation that I was a boy named Luke in this world, I was, I, I had received, I knew that was a label. I knew Luke was not really attached to like my skin. I knew it wasn't, it was a name given to me. So when people said it, I know they're calling me, but I knew that, that there's an identity that maybe I was trying to separate with, but I would say that to whatever I was saying it to. And I didn't even know that I was like, throwing out seeds to the universe. I didn't know what I was doing, but me in hindsight, I get shown that all the time. Like it, I was doing exactly what is perfectly okay for any boy to do. Throw some the seed out of where the heck you're at. Who the heck am I? I mean, 20 years later, 30 years later, you'll know who you are. I, I can assure you that. Because it's even been a journey since I've been a little boy. Yeah, I think mine hit me a little bit later, but I, I was a little different spin on it. I used to look in the mirror and say, who's in there? Who's in there? And then I wrote a short story about saying that to the guy in the mirror and then getting in an argument with him and then killing him. But I actually killed myself. I have a whole short story where I kill myself from driving myself crazy in front of the mirror. Oh, wow. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, from a, yeah, there's something about like that reflection. There's, um, like there's that parable with, um, that entity or God or whatever, uh, where we get the word narcissist from like Narcisse or something like that. But how they became amazed by their own reflection back then in the water. There's a lot of parables about the mirror waking up some parts of your inner self or the, or the, the mirror providing something of a paradox like is that me or is that just the reflection of the thing that i'm infatuated with you know it all these like little separations that happen i can definitely relate i don't think i was as young as what you're talking about but yeah so full full circle for me just seeing all the seeds that 
my whole life after the spiritual awakening is now understanding what I was putting out as a little boy. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was putting out seeds. I was putting out a question to the universe and that was coming back to me. So I understood the concept after I woke up that, oh, so you mean to tell me that you can put something out there? And then I started to apply that to my career and, and, and the things that would come back. And I usually it'd be, you know, me starting my day. So I'd be in the truck and I'd put, I'd start using it in my career. Like where, where can I find what I need to find today? And then I would drive and it started being successful with it. And I learned quickly that it doesn't, it's, it's not a matter of like time and space, like how seeds are, but especially after awakening, you know how nature is, but if you, we just talked about in the beginning that everything is pretty much has to stay to its program except for humans. And, but we can make the, we could make the statement that trees might have some type of consciousness on, on, on their own, although it is still what it is, a tree and it serves a purpose, but it is in some kind of communion with us. Like a cow, I don't think it could be in communion with it. It has to be the program of eating grass all day. And that it can't, can't be grateful for, for me. And I mean, I guess I could be grateful for it because I can eat a steak. And But there there is no connection like there is with a tree. So you could say a tree might have some type of reciprocal consciousness. I think the tree is just so still and it's so close to like a version of no thing because it just roots itself in place and then everything that it needs is just manifested right to it. Everything is brought to it. Everything it needs to store the carbon is just provided in its own stillness. And so when you're next to a tree, like verse next to like some other biological animal, like I think it's that stillness that you're communing with and it's, it's generating the stillness in you and you're recognizing the stillness in it. And then that's pulling the experience of the two of you into more of a no thing experience and allowing room for like the connection to start to fill that space. So now look at nature objectively and humans like to where you're looking at what the capability of humans are when you apply everything that you see in nature as far as seeds and what grows and the capability and endless possibilities that we have of what we put out with our vibration and sincerity in speaking or manifesting we've heard that keyword a lot that has been one of the most awing moments of of a spiritual awakening is knowing how to participate and knowing how much power we have because the idea of what how we plant seeds as godlike beings like we're the ones that are we have the consciousness we have the we have the creator the creativity in inside of us it's no wonder why 
in the last 20 years, our video games are almost to the point where they're so real. We're not even going to be able to tell them apart because we are, we, there's creators in us. So innately we're doing exactly what we have inside of us, even unconsciously at this point, but it has to come out somewhere. But me looking at the capability of what we can do. And when I started to apply it to my career and, and uh, my family and everything that, anything that you put out there, it comes back to you with an answer, anything. And, and sometimes it's many years, sometimes it's a week, but it's always like, it's always coming back to you no matter what you put out. So uh, my challenge to anyone is kind of play that game because that's what it kind of turned into me. Like I'll be in a situation where I need to produce at work or something and I'll throw out a seed and things happen. And then when things happen, somehow the image of the original seed that I threw out is in my mind's eye. So it's a complete full circle moment. But why wouldn't we have that capability? We can put a seed in the ground and water it and a pretty flower can grow. So why wouldn't we not have abilities to that far surpass anything that you could see in nature because they have a role, but our role, we, we are conscious. So we can pretty much dictate within the realm of consciousness and no will so it is no will, but it's still, it's still what I desire almost, so to speak, because a part of that creator is in me. So it's no will, but it's no will from the rotten little Ferris wheel dude before. Not, not no will like I don't get to have fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, on that like more advanced level, like that's why I, like the sleep stuff started to get like important for me because what it did is it just opened up the mystical and the magical and the adventurous. And instead of like when you're in form or when you're in your daily life, it's it's very hard to be adventurous and think outside because you get locked into the programming, even if you're conscious I mean, you still are going to have responsibilities of form and a schedule to keep and stuff that you have to maintain. But if working on consciousness through the entire process, through that, I think what it's going to do is just open up this mystical, magical realm of possibilities. And it's just going to serve as a as an influence of like, don't limit yourself like just the concept that you just said, and there's no limit to it. Like pure adventure, pure magic. And I think, I think just like everything else, I think consciousness and devotion through consciousness, especially through the sleeping hours, I think just provides mechanical evidence to that theory that you just explained and allows you to just look at it from like a completely adventurous point of view with no limitations 
but that's the, that's where you see it. That's where you see it clearly. That's where you like get to live it like in a real time thing. I mean, you're on the level now where you're seeing it within the form. And that's fine. And I'm not saying that that you've limited anything. I'm just for me, like searching for um more tangible mechanics all the time, just because the tangible mechanic that hit me so hard was so meaningful. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to open up a mystical realm where, um, you know, just like the awakening opened up the path of gratitude. I think, you know, the awakening part two, you know, awaken in your dreams. I think that opens up like the manifold, the magical manifestation part the same way. That's very interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never saw it that way before, but that's very interesting. That's two sixteen. You good? I'm good. 